the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Listen to these verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good because His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in a man. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is the day which the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. All of those very, very, very familiar verses that we sing and say, they're found in Psalm 118. When I read this again and again, I say, what, what a song. This is Bert Harper along with Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy. We're going through some of the Psalms, 150 of them. That'd be, that'd be a long time going through it straight, but we're picking some out that we're sharing with you during this time. And for me, it's been a great blessing. Alex, uh, Psalms really touches your mind, but also touches your heart, doesn't it? Well, it does. Uh, they they really touch our hearts. They move our soul. And, you know, some of our most beloved memory verses come from this, um, some call it the hymn book of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. But I'm glad we're, we're in Psalm 118 today, and we invite everybody, if you've got a Bible, to turn there and join with us. You know, I was kind of doing the math. Um, you and I, in all of what we've done through exploring the Word and going through books of the Bible, I don't think we've ever done... Neither Marvin uh, and myself nor you and I, we've not done the book of Psalms all the way. I mean, if we did one a day, that would be 30 weeks, wouldn't it? Yeah, but we always take <laughs> off Friday for Fire Away Friday, so you'd add on a lot even for that, you know. And, and then, then there are some, like Psalm 119, that are just too lengthy. But we do uh, frequently come back to the book of Psalms, and it's it's a gold mine of inexhaustible nuggets of truth, isn't it? It is, and... Again, there's 29 verses here, and uh, it'll be hard for us to get them all, but it's kind of divided up. I think we can look at it. Uh, it starts out with Psalm 118, and it starts the same way it finishes. Listen to the—I've already read verse 1. Listen to verse 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What a climactic way to end, and it's a great way to begin. And look at everything that's in between. It is trust in God. Let me put the theme on it. It is trust in God more than man. That is part of the theme of Psalm 118. And that verse that says, you know, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man in verse 8. Alex, <laughs> that would be wise for, uh, let me see, the leaders of the world for the leaders of factory, for the employees, for no matter where you are, you better put verse 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Uh, Amen. Alex, Amen. men, uh, listen, I've disappointed people. I've been disappointed in some things I found out about people. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is who he says he is. And I am telling you, our trust can be in him. He is truly trustworthy, isn't he? Well, amen. Uh, you know, do you notice uh, words that repeat? Uh, Bert, now, Bert Harper <laughs> notices repeated words, and do you see just in the first uh, four verses, we see uh, one, two, three, four times the word endure. Uh, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures. His mercy endures. Listen, we can endure because the Lord endures. He's forever. The Lord's mercy endures. There's no limit to his wisdom, his mercy, his grace to us, his power, his, his ability to undertake for us and to advocate for us, the goodness of God. Um, nothing takes him by surprise. You know, the more I think about the uh, sovereignty of our loving God, uh, well, that comforts my soul. And I think that was the intent of this. I think it is, too. And when I read that, his mercy endures forever, you could not help but think about what Paul said. You know, his grace is sufficient in everything. His mercy and his grace 
they are steadfast, and you can depend upon them. And so, yes. so our response is to give thanks to him, for he is good. God is good. That settles mm-hmm. it, and we need to give thanks to the Lord. And right. verse 5 tells you, I called on the Lord in distress. Now, Alex, uh, let me see. I I think that happens pretty often with most of us. Uh, You know, there's going to be some distressful times in our lives. And uh, I think it is wise to begin early. If you're listening and you're riding home with your mom driving or your dad driving or you're in a carpool and this radio on and you're in elementary school, junior high school, even high school, I want to tell you, learn to call on the Lord all the time. And that means when you're in distress, and you will be, uh, you've you have stated a pattern. That's a good pattern to call on him, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. You know, uh, there have been a few times when I've been with people that were faced with a big question, and they really had no answer. Um, a number of years ago, um, I was with a family, and they had just gotten a devastating diagnosis from their doctor, and they were going for a family meeting, and as a pastor, they asked me to go, and and I went, and this was a family, and the dad had cancer, and they said, is there anything you can, anything whatsoever, and the doctor, he said, I wish I had some better news, but I just have nothing to tell you. Bert, would you believe earlier this week, I was counseling a family. They had come to me, and I'm not pastoring a church right now, and uh, you and I both are not really in the local church like we once were, but still people seek me out, and I do all I can. But anyway, the the family's having trouble, and the dad said, um, uh, my teenage son came and said, are you and mom going to stay together? And he said, I had no answer. Now, the reason I'm saying that is, in this world, sometimes we humans, we reach our limits. But look at verse 5. I called on the Lord, and he answered me. Friend, I don't know what you're facing, but I know God has an answer for you. And I hope it's not health issues. I hope it's not marital issues or, or any of those debilitating things that very often can bring us to our knees. But Bert... When I read verse 5, I'm excited because we serve the God who answers by fire, uh, as Elijah said. We serve the God that we can call on him in our distress, and God will have an answer. Isn't it great that his mercy endures forever? Like you said, four different times, comes before verse 5. In other words, he is that merciful God. He wants us to call upon him. He desires, and he set him in a, he, he not only answered, but he responded in a way that uh, in place of being squeezed in, distress has the idea of being squeezed, and it set me in a broad place. He, he widened it. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, <laughs> I, I, when I hear that question, Alex, now I'm, it may have not happened this way. When the psalmist was writing to this, he 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 wrote all this, and he came to the end of verse six. The Lord is on my side; I'll not fear. I think he just said, "You know what can man do to me?" You you catch <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. my flavor. In other words, hey, God on my side. God hears me in my distress. What can man do to me? What a great response. Well, and, and the the answer is nothing. Really, nothing really permanent anyway, because we belong to the all-powerful God. And hey, verse 6, like you said, the Lord is on my side. Uh, Verse 7 says, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know, we talked about yesterday how um, the psalm said, a horse is a vain thing for safety. Now, it's fine to know people. It's fine to have um, relationships and and alliances, but ultimately our trust is in God. And uh, you see in verses 7 through 9, opposition from people and help from people. Well, the, the opposition is not unlimited. The help of those around you is not unlimited. Ultimately, your security, your sanctuary is in the Lord. Now it's not just individuals, but it's 
groups. Verse 10, all nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Uh, Bert, now i got to say this. Sometimes to our 21st century ears, the apparent militancy of the Old Testament sounds shocking. Like, uh, I will see my desire on those who hate me. Well, what's our desire? Vindication, at least, maybe even vengeance. And then nations destroyed. But i got to say this, and, and Bert, you uh, rein in here in just a second. But look, Putin is a reminder that there is wickedness in the world. Now let me digress for a moment, and then Bert's going to bring us quickly back to Scripture. I've got an article here that during the um, Obama era, there was a long-standing military policy that said the U.S. Um, could battle in two simultaneous regions in the world at the same time. In other words, we had the right that we could go to war anywhere and in as many places as we saw fit. Well, during the Obama years, uh, in 2012, um, President Obama struck that down, and there was um, a, a doctrine that we could not engage in more than one conflict at a time anywhere in the world. And there, I'm reading this article now in light of all the um, things in the Ukraine and now possibly things elsewhere in the world. There are Pentagon leaders that are saying, look, this is bad because sometimes there's more than one problem in the world at a time. Now, you look and it's like, why, why the reduction of the military and why imposing a restriction on ourselves that we could only fight in one place at a time? And it was because, and this is where my political discourse ends, uh, former President Obama and many of his advisors said, People are basically good. People aren't bad. We don't need the military because good times are ahead, and uh, you know having military is a bad thing. Now, Bert, the reason I bring that out when you read in the Old Testament, God was telling Israel, you know, fight the Canaanites, the Amalekites, the Moabites. When David writes about victory over the enemies of God and those who want to kill me and the Lord being our help and our strength and salvation. Bert, the Bible is clear. There is evil in the world. Now, there is sin and, and darkness. There's goodness and mercy and grace. But, Bert, do you think that uh, in this age of relativism and wokeness, we've got to realize that this world is in the crosshairs of a battle of, of sin versus righteousness? Alex, uh, I think that verse 10 uh, gives us that. It lets us know that. I want to go back to verse 9. I know I, I just wanted to say this. Notice what this is, verse 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. How about this? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in government. The princes would be that representing the government that has uh, you know, over you today, this is some of the battle. Who are we going to trust? And Alex, we don't trust the nations of the world because there is evil. We don't put confidence in the government because, listen, their mercy doesn't endure forever. They don't have that. But in Christ and in Christ alone, we have good standing because his mercy endures forever. We'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Regina LaBelle, Acting Director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy. She leads anti-drug efforts in the United States and serves as an advisor to the President. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 reminds us of the importance of caring for ourselves. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Regina LaBelle as she serves as our nation's drug czar. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, and we are joining together to pray the vote 
Details at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says many of us who think we know where our next meal is coming from are making a mistake, one that robs God of the credit he's due. He'll explain why we're not as self-sufficient as we think as we spend two minutes with Tony. If it weren't for God, you couldn't go to the grocery store. Anything in the grocery store had to be taken from a mill or from a butcher shop. The only reason you get to eat cereal with milk is because cows feed on grass that allows the system that God put in them to produce the milk that allows you to enjoy your cereal. So you take away God, you take away seed. You take away God, you take away land. You take away God, you take away rain. You take away God, you take away sunshine. You take away God, you take away the mill. You take away the mill, the grocer has nothing to sell. So when you go to the grocery store, it's God that makes that possible because the store is a resource. God is the source. And he says he is the only source. And those, he says, who fear him. Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, understand that he's the source. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, invites God's children to come to him as a father and recognize that he is your source. Your commitment to the kingdom, the rule of God, will affect God's provision in your life. The first and most important thing God has provided for us is a way out of sin and into eternal life. To find out more, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revow your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. You know, the language of the Bible is obviously true because it's God's Word. The language of the Bible is inspiring and instructive, but the language of the Bible is also very, very vivid and pictorial. We're going to see that here in verse 12 of Psalm 118, but welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're very honored that you're listening. Uh, Bert, All right, he's talking about the enemies of God and his own enemies and how God delivers him. Okay, in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Um, Very vivid. I can can picture this because I've... I've run up on a nest of bees before. Have you? <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm an old farm boy, so I know what it is to have a tractor and a bush hog. And down here in in northeast Mississippi, there's uh, a bee or a wasp known as a yellow jacket. And they Ouch. they have their uh, nest there in the ground. And you'll be going across, and that uh, you know bush hog cutter, We'll get at that, and I'm telling you, you leave the way we had. We didn't have cab tractors. You'd leave that tractor sitting there for quite a while under those yellow jackets. Oh, yeah. So you were surrounded. Let me say this. Notice you was talking about you was talking about repeated words. The yeah. word "surrounded" is said. Look, the nations exactly. surrounded me. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. Verse twelve. They surrounded me again. And notice what happens, though, at the end of verse 11, after they talk about the surround, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Verse 12, about the bees, but look what happens in verse uh, 13. But the Lord helped me. That is the confidence we have, Alex. And so mm-hmm. the and it starts where? I, I want to share this because it's bookends. It starts in verse 1 and verse 29. 
His mercy endures forever. And here it is again. No matter what the government might do, no matter what men might do, that we could put trust in them and fail us, no matter what the other nations do to us, what? Our confidence is in the Lord. His mercy does endure forever. That's, Amen. And notice verse 14. I'll throw it back to you. How, when, how does that mercy work? The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Amen. The mercy Amen. of the Lord leads to strength in us. He has given us of his Holy Spirit. And Alex, you remember what it is? Put on the armor of God, you know? So mm-hmm. he equips us. I, I want you to know that. You were talking about kind of the militant uh, words in the Psalms about in the Old Testament about God saying, let those nations be crushed. Well, listen, uh, it, I don't think it ends in the New Testament. Put on the armor of God. Oh, you know? yeah. Walk well, in the and Spirit. You know, yeah. Um, the Galatians 5 that you referenced there, and and frankly, uh, like Colossians 3, 12 through 14, that talks about love and peace and forbearance. You know, we used to sing, uh, I haven't, I've not heard it in some years, but we used to sing onward Christian soldiers Amen. marching as to war. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Now, we're not to be militant and abrasive and things like that, but make no mistake, uh, we're in a spiritual battle. And th- this life down here, uh, it is grace and it is love and it is joy for sure for the Christian. But we're in a battle, and to think otherwise is to be very naive. Well, I've, I've just got to say this because I'm a farm boy too, and let me tell you, on at least two occasions in my young life, I had to get off the tractor and run away. <laughs> Because, hey, let me tell you, the old Ford 8N, and some of you w- will know what a, a red belly Ford 8N yep, is. I do. Um, when you have uh, bush hogged over a nest of bees or yellow jackets, <laughs> the tractor's not fast enough. You just hop off and run away. You run. And guess <laughs> where they go to first? Your head. They do. They, they do. do. And so get that in your mind. They surrounded me like bees, and they're all around. They watch you see, you know? Uh, exactly. It does. And, but let me talk about the deliverance of the Lord. And um, it may sound unusual in verse 12. They, they were quenched like a fire of thorns. So let's say you're clearing land and there's, there's thorns and thickets and all kinds of briars and brush. You've got to get in a big pile. And you cut it, and very quickly in the sun, it dries. So I, I've cleared land, Bert, and I've had a big old 10 foot tall pile of brush. And yet you light it one little match and whoosh, it'll go up so quickly. And very often, God, we wait, we wait, and then God very suddenly intervenes. And when, and this is such vivid language here that the enemies of God are consumed like a fire of thorns. That's like a big brush pile that just erupts. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Uh, you push me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song has become my salvation. By the way, do you know that um, Psalm 118.14, that's a uh, verbatim quote that is uh, repeated in Isaiah uh, 12.2. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Isaiah, some years after this was written, would quote that. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Um, Bert, in colonial America, Benjamin Franklin wrote about being in Boston, and he said that the presence of the Lord was so vivid. Benjamin Franklin said that you couldn't walk down the streets at night and not hear from any house uh, anything but the songs, uh, there was either Bible reading or praise being sung. He said every night after dark, emanating from the windows of the houses and the cottages were songs and hymns. And Benjamin Franklin said of colonial Boston, he said, it seemed like the gospel was everywhere. Amen. Now, boy, I would like that to be the case. But I love this, that the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents or the dwelling places of the righteous. That, that's a good way to live. It is. And notice this. Notice the right hand. Let me see. When Jesus ascended, his throne 
was above every throne and his name higher. And he was seated at the where? Right, right hand. hand of God. And doing what for us, Alex? Making intercession for us. So here, it is. listen to this. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is our warrior. He is the person at the right hand of God, and he does fight for us. Alex, that was just powerful. The right hand, uh, yes, God is, what does it say back there? It says the Lord is on our side. Uh, verse, verse 6, he will fight for us. And uh, again, uh, this is strong words, but I praise God. We need to take some of these words and understand that, you know, uh, it's it's the our, our battles are not flesh and blood, but they are still real battles against Satan and powers and wickedness in high places. So the battle's still on, isn't it? Well, amen. Uh, that That's true. And, you know, um, Bill Bright famously wrote this gospel tract. It's a wonderful gospel booklet. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And, uh, you know, I heard a preacher early in my Christian walk. He said, yeah, Satan hates you and has a malicious plan for your life. Now, we don't I, I think we need to focus on what God's plan for our life is, but we do have an enemy. You know, uh, the Bible is very clear that warns us we have an enemy, and so that's why we need to cleave to the Lord. We need to know that the right hand of the Lord is exalted, verse 16, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And then what may I conclude confidently? Verse 17, I shall not die, but live. And do what? Declare the works of the Lord. You, you know, Bert, the, the Bible has those words that says, um, the, those in the grave can't praise you, so Lord, you know, spare my life that I can praise you. And we, we are to declare the works of the Lord. That's a testimony, isn't it? Bert, I think we could say that Psalm 118, verse 17, is a good Old Testament sanctioning for having a testimony Amen, Alex. that we are to declare the works of the Lord Amen. in our life. Amen. I believe verse 18 does its best to bring balance. The Lord fights for us. The Lord does that. But then verse 18, uh, and you could, uh, he didn't, but you could put a but here, but the Lord has chastened me. <laughs> you know, this is what yeah. me and they're not going to do, but the Lord's chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Uh, he he live he lives in me. He gives me life. I couldn't not but think of Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, where we feel pressed in, we feel overwhelmed, but God is with us. And so, even in the chastening of the Lord, even in the difficulties of life, even in the dis, uh, mistreatment of nations or governance, guess what? The Lord delivers us, and that's what He says. So, what verse twenty one says. I'll praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Have you noticed he repeats that quite often? The Lord has become my salvation. Yes. Uh, I, I'm just sitting here underlining the, the repeated words like endures and trust and confidence and surrounds and salvation is repeated. And it, uh, the gates of righteousness, uh, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Um this would make a fascinating study, the repeated words and concepts in this. But 21, I will praise you. You've answered me, and you've become my salvation. Now, 22 through 23. Okay, get ready. If you're if you're in your car, you might want to turn off uh, and, and park so that when you start shouting how good God is, you won't uh, run off the road. So I, I've given that warning, Alex. Go ahead. Well, we're going to see a reference to Jesus and Amen. even a re reference to Palm Sunday. Yes. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Okay, who is the, the rock, the stone? It's Jesus. How was he rejected by the builders? Well, the, the very nation, uh, the nation of Israel and the religion of Judaism, uh, he was rejected, right? But he is the chief cornerstone. He is the cornerstone on which the church has been built. He's the cornerstone on which the gospel stands. Right, Bert? You got it. Uh, but 
You, you get over here and you see verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, that's what they were shouting on Palm Sunday, which we will soon on um, April 10th, I believe, is Palm Sunday. Uh, they, they cried that Psalm 118.26, and yet he was rejected very shortly thereafter, wasn't he? He was. Now, I want to go back to 22, 23, and 24 for those, and you may have a sermon on this. I just want to give an outline real quickly. First of all, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This stone was of sovereign design. Uh, yes, Jesus is he God. It's God who did it. This is the Lord's doing. It's a day of the, it's the Savior's doing. It's the so, sovereign design. God designed the day. This is the day that Jesus is on the cross. It's the day of the Savior's doing. Notice the words, this was the Lord's doing. What God did uh, in Jesus being rejected, God used it and turned it to Jesus on the cross. And through the power of the resurrection, it was overwhelming. But notice what verse 24 says. This is the day which the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. That is the day of the saints' delight. Now, here it is. The day Jesus was on the cross, that was the day of sovereign design. It was mm. the day of the Savior's doing, and it was the day of the saints' delight. Alex, I just give that out there, and if people can write that in, it will be a great devotion, a great sermon, a great lesson. Well, amen. And, Bert, that is a great outline that you're sharing there. Uh, hey, verse 27, while we're talking about salvation, God is the Lord, and he has given us light, L-I-G-H-T, yes. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus uh, on the cross, look, it wasn't those nails that held him there, as many have observed. It was his love. And he was the sacrifice bound to the altar. Now, what were the cords that held him there? It wasn't anything of man. It was his choice. It was his promises. It was his prophecies. It was his grace. And he, he stayed on that altar called Calvary to pay for our sin debt because he loves us. And we can say, and I, I hope everyone hearing this can legitimately say within your heart, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And here's the fifth appearance of the word endures. His mercy endures forever. Bert, um, the story of Jesus and his work on the cross, his resurrection, his love for each and every person, um, no exaggeration, it is the greatest story ever told, isn't it? It is. It is a story of mercy and grace. I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in him. He came unto his own. They didn't receive him. That's what it said. The stone that the builders rejected, yes, he is rejected. But God has exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, ready to make intercession for those of us who have put our trust in him. So we can say, we will trust in the Lord. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in anything else. Amen. Alex, we're going to take phone calls. That's always exciting. And that number is 888 589-8840. 888-589-8840. Give us a call here on Exploring the Word. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. If you are engaging in sexual sin, today is the day to repent. As it was corrupt in Judah, let's be honest, the same things are happening today. The pornography addiction amongst the body of Christ is through the roof. And by and large, many in the church are not discussing these things 
too often because many of the people who are entrusted with the responsibility to do so, they're bound themselves. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III on American Family Radio. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, if you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in Scripture. You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to take calls, your calls, uh, this, uh, this segment. I always look forward to it. And so, Alex, I'm ready to see how many of them we can get today. We've got people that are online, and so we're ready to go, and we're going to Arkansas. And Lynn, welcome. Yeah, um, hi. Um, I wanted to know, in the Bible, when uh, it talks about Messianic and it capitalizes the M, I mean, it doesn't, not, I'm not saying the Messiah, but Messianic. Uh, what do you think the Bible, how it's interpreted in the Bible, and then um, how that differs? Because people nowadays who are in a messianic movement, and a lot of them become real legalistic. But anyway, um, I just wanted your take on that. Okay, Lynn, hmm. thank you. Good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Alex, I found this out. Uh, folks want to go back. If they're not careful, they want to go back to the law, you know? And yeah. Paul really, really got on to the church at Gal- the churches of Galatia for even thinking about doing that. And we're mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the moral law of the Old Testament is not real today. It is real. But what about all that the worship and uh, didn't he say you know we no longer he tore the middle wall of partition down? Yeah, and Lynn, thank you for a great question. The way that messianic is used uh, in, I believe, the the appropriate sense is really uh, as as a, a descriptive word, an adjective, having to do with the promises of the coming Messiah. You know, what we'll say, like you know, Psalm 118 that we just been reading. By the way, it says there's going to be a chief cornerstone, and you know, Isaiah says that as well. You know, I've laid a cornerstone in Zion. Well, these are messianic verses, Isaiah 28, 16, and uh, Isaiah 7, 14, he would be born of a virgin. That's a messianic prophecy. And uh, Psalm 110, where David said, you know, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And 
He'd be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. These are messianic prophecies. So messianic in that sense, um, all the things of the Old Testament having to do with the promised Savior, who is Jesus. Um, let me say every church is a messianic church. If you're preaching the gospel of having a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, I know that there are, they call it messianic congregations, and generally what that means is that they try uh, in our 21st century way to adopt things that look uh, Judaic, you know, uh, white cloth uh, robes with blue trim and music that sounds very Israeli in the way it's it's written. And I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, Bert. But like you say, when you add law on top of grace, you're getting away from the, the free good news of the gospel. Amen. Lynn, again, uh, doing Messianic the right way is nothing but glorious. And like Alex said, uh, don't add to. Isn't that, the, isn't that it's Christ alone, isn't it? That's the, and through faith alone. It's and it's Jesus, and it's grace. Grace. It's let it. me tell you, you can't improve upon perfection, <laughs> and the message of God's grace is perfect. Amen. Thank you so much, Lynn. Let's go to the state of North Carolina. Josh, welcome. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Um, my question is on, um, in the book of Revelations, chapter 9, I believe, verse 4, when it's talking about uh, the locusts can't harm the grass or plants or any human with a mark of God on their forehead. Does that mean that people who are saved before the rapture have the mark of God, or how do you get the mark of God? And if you have the mark of God and you're in that time, can you backslide and end up taking the mark of the beast too as well? Okay. Well, Go ahead, um, Alex. Let me throw something out here. And by the way, Josh, thank you for a wonderful question. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be uh, in Cincinnati on April 10th, Sunday, April 10th, Palm Sunday, teaching from the book of Revelation, and I'll be at Landmark Baptist Church in Cincinnati that day. But uh, look at verse 3. See, the, the fifth trumpet sounds, the locusts are unleashed from the bottomless pit, and the locusts came out, and to them was given power, verse 3, but it wasn't unlimited power. Because they, they were limited. Verse 4, these locusts were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. In other words, believers. So, Bert, um, I, I think what we see out of this is that demons, because these are demons that are unleashed in the world. And and by the way, part of the, the, the violence of the tribulation is that demons are permitted to do what they've been chomping at the bit, wanting to do already anyway. I mean, some of all the rough times of the tribulation, Bert, is I think God's hand that restrains evil is, is at least to a degree lifted. Um, yeah. But the, de the demons or the locusts here, they don't have unlimited power, do they? They do not, and again... The Holy Spirit during that period of during that period of time, He is here. No one is saved apart from the Holy Spirit. No matter under in the Old Testament, New Testament, during the tribulation, but the restraining power of the Holy Spirit, as you said, Alex, is lifted. But even at some points, it has some restraint to certain things. It reminds me of Pharaoh and in Egypt when the plagues would come. Uh, there is restrictions with some because of the, the, the Hebrews, you know, did not suffer some of those. And so God's restrictions are real in judgment as well. Rahab, that restriction of judgment uh, concerning Jericho, again and again we see that uh, even, even in the tribulation during this period of time. Thank you so much, Josh. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Calvin. Calvin, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Bur Brother Burke? Um, I have kind of a, actually two questions wrapped, I guess, in one. I have a brother who said he's supposed to be born again, and he said that he does not believe in the Trinity, Father, Father, uh, Father Son, and Holy Spirit. And he tells me that I'm reading out of the wrong Bible, which I don't understand that. He says that my uh, 
the Bible I read out of came out of Catholicism, which I, I believe is true, came out of the Greek and Hebrew text. But anyway, my question is, how can either one or both of those two things be true? Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Calvin. Uh, let me just say this, and, and Alex, you take it over. Uh, the Trinity, a lot of times, it has nothing to do with the Bible. It has to do with men not being able to comprehend it nor explain it. Therefore, they say it's not true. Just because we can't completely understand it and explain it does not mean it's untrue. Alex, go ahead. Well, um, God bless you, and let me say, you're not reading out of the wrong Bible, because the, the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts that comprise the Bible uh, go back, well, the New Testament manuscripts are traceable all the way back to the first century, and so, you know, whenever I've debated either atheists or even Muslims, and they'll say, well, the Bible has been corrupted, I always ask the question, okay, what are the corrupted verses, and when were they introduced? Because we have a manuscript lineage of Old and New Testaments that takes us back to the very times that they were written. And so I would encourage you, if, if at all possible, folks, if you're ever in our nation's capital, go to the Bible Museum. Bert and I have been there. Bert, it was our privilege some, I don't know, three or four years ago, we broadcast from the Bible Museum. It was one of the highlights of exploring the Word, hasn't it been, to be broadcast? Exactly. There. Yeah. And, and so let me just say this. You can trust your Bible. But regarding the Trinity, I'm going to say this very briefly. In the 19th century, well, really at the end of the 18th century and in the middle of the 19th century, there were some books written by atheists that really reverberate to this day. And they said Jesus was a myth, and there is no trinity, and Satan was just dreamed up to scare people. Now, I, I've written literally, literally hundreds of pages in refutation of these books. I'm not going to give you their titles or names right now, but I'm just going to say this. A lot of these arguments that deny the trinity or deny the, the deity of Jesus were pop level, they were written by discredited uh, writers 150, 200 years ago, and even atheists, even modern atheists will kind of blush and admit these, these, these skeptic works of the 19th century are just an embarrassment because there, there's no footnote, they're just the rantings of long-dead atheists. Look, you read Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, and by the way, even critical scholars accept Matthew. Matthew says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Birth, that's the Trinity. It's it in the Bible. Yes. And again, it can't be just one in him appearing at different times. Because at the baptism, and I know I say this and again and again, but it just registers loud and clear. At Jesus' baptism, Jesus, God, was being baptized. The Father, God, spoke from heaven. And the Holy Spirit, God, descended as a dove. And so, Alex, it is biblical all the way. Thank you, Calvin. Let's go to North Carolina. Gammy, you called yesterday. What comment do you have real quickly? Yes, sir. I'm trying to make it quick uh, with God's help, and thank you for the, uh, the opportunity. Um, God put it in my heart to, to um, bring up again uh, Daniel 1137. 30, uh, and um, I recently found out that in Tel Aviv, which is, you know, used to be the capital of Israel, um, there's uh, so many uh, uh, LGBTs that is considered that one of the most gay-friendly cities of the world. And the reason I bring all up is, is I, I feel that that might be um, one of the tools that the Antichrist might use to bring peace between the Jews and the, uh, the Arabs. And uh, so I go on to say that um, the, the gays have, um, and I'm not trying to be mean on, on, in, in any way. I just want to educate the, the, the public of, of, of what God has put in my heart. And so I feel that um, so much of that lifestyle has infiltrated so much of our own lives that Sometimes we even um, support that kind of stuff 
not knowing by watching the shows that they promote and so much, so much. Yeah. Well, Gammy, uh, we appreciate you. Cal, yes, we realize this and we know that. And you speak, here it is. You speak the truth in love. You stand in love. Uh, and doesn't mean you have to be mean, but it does mean you be, need to be watched strong and courageous, uh, on on the issues at the Bible. But let's, let's say, listen, all, all moral sin, sexual sin is wrong. Adultery is wrong. But again, the reason that it's so prevalent, Alex, they are bringing it up and they're not just trying to get us to do it. They want us to agree with that. And I understand that. Uh, that is true, isn't it, Alex, real quickly? Absolutely. Um, Gammy, I appreciate this. And let me say, um, if you're going to read Daniel eleven thirty-six and 37, also look at 1 Timothy 4, that talks about the Spirit speaks expressly in the latter days. Some will depart from the faith, uh, doctrines of devils, and their conscience is seared, forbidding marriage. Um, I, I'm with, I read you, brother. Many have speculated that the Antichrist might be gay. Um, he's not going to acknowledge the God of his fathers. Does that mean the Antichrist is part Jewish? Maybe. But our world has so abolished moral boundaries that um, sexual uh, wokeness is, is probably going to be a political and uh, international uh, bargaining chip for years to come. So will the Antichrist use acceptance of the LGBTQ trans agenda in bringing peace to the Middle East? That That's a bargaining chip that any political leader nowadays is going to try to use. Okay. Thank you again, Gammy. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Michael. Michael, welcome. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Psalms 118. Yes. Uh, Chief Cornerstone. Well, there, I couldn't help seeing this. Uh, Psalms 118, 19, and 20. Can y'all read that with Matthew 7, 13, and 14? Also, the whole armor of God is found in Christ Jesus. She lists the helmet of salvation down. All the fullness of that armor is in Christ Jesus' gospel. It's also the straight gate and the cornerstone. But uh, it's 19 and 20 with 7, 13, and 14. Okay. Let me read Good 19 points. and 20 again real quickly. Open to me the gates of yeah. righteousness. I'll go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate, the Lord, through which the righteous shall enter. The straight gate, the narrow gate, Alex? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this. Hey, you're a very astute listener, and I, I, you know, Jesus talks about entering the narrow gate, and uh, I, hey, you, you pointed that out very well. Um, was this, uh, was this Johnny, this caller? Uh, this, yeah, Johnny, this? Johnny. Uh, no, this Good was job. Michael from uh, Georgia. Michael from Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Michael from Georgia. But yeah. Um, Jesus is that gate of righteousness. Jesus is that narrow way, and he's the one that leads us to life. Yeah. The, the expressions here all through the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit armoring us are spread, said in many ways. It says, put off the old garments, put on the new garments, uh, it, it, the armor of God, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All of these are talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in our lives. Alex, no wonder Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and you're going to do greater things. The reason is the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. We need to walk in it and live it and work and serve him, don't we? We do. You know, Psalm 118.29, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Keep us in prayer. we got storms on the East Coast, but God is in control. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. God bless you.